The Inside Vegas Podcast on the Sports Gaming Podcast Network is presented by MyBookie. MyBookie.ag is the official online sportsbook of the Sports Gaming Podcast Network and the Inside Vegas Podcast. Props, parlays, in-game wagering, MyBookie.ag has it all. And if you sign up now using the promo code SGP50, you'll receive a 50% deposit bonus today. You play... You win, you get paid at mybookie.ag. We're also brought to you by Play Balto. Sports Gaming Podcast Network and the Inside Vegas Podcast is brought to you by Play Balto. They are hosting their famous bracket challenge for March Madness and giving away thousands of dollars in prizes. Check in on your bracket now over at playbalto.com and see where you're at. We're also brought to you by FanVest. The Sports Gaming Podcast Network is so happy to partner with FanVest, a digital exchange that lets you invest in and trade sports teams like stocks. FanVest is launching a new free March Madness portfolio challenge and up to $5,000 for the winning portfolio. Sign up for free at fanvestwageringexchange.com to instantly receive $1,000 in fan books. And lastly, SGP10K. Send over a tweet tagging at Gambling Podcast with the hashtag SGP10K and get your free chance to win $1,000 to one lucky retweeter if the Sports Gambling Podcast account gets to 10,000 followers. Live from Las Vegas with the Inside Vegas podcast on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. March Madness opening week come and gone. Chalk ruled the days uh, late in the tournament. Underdogs early. Uh, had a little bit of everything. It was such a great time hanging out with the SGP crew in total and seeing listeners and, and everything like that. So if you guys came out, said hello. Cannot thank you guys enough out there uh, for what was March Mad. A pretty pretty good um, tournament. Very top heavy, which I think was sometimes you hear that it is normally uh, most wide open it's ever been. Not the case this year. Uh, people are really dead on about it that there was a group of teams and everybody else. So crazy to see that. Hope you guys uh, had a great tournament regardless of where you enjoyed it. A profitable one um, and everything like that. Best bet coming in uh, with um, Matt Peralt talking about Oregon 12-5 matchups. Hopefully, hopefully you guys took our advice, cashing in on that one um, for everything that was March Madness. For this episode, looking ahead, we have Alex Kane of Sport Trade, the CEO of Sport Trade at Sport Trade underscore app and sporttrade.io, and their app is available in the iOS uh, app store. Sport Trade is a peer-to-peer betting service uh, in New Jersey right now that is a looking to revolutionize the system uh, of sports betting and allow um, their operating as a licensed sports book that is going to let uh, you, the consumer, buy and sell other people's bets as, le- as well as place your own. So a very, very interesting conversation about what is on tap for Sport Trade as a company um, and everything that they see going forward and kind of uh, the long-term market views and ramifications of what this product and what this company could be um, and already is really. So um, great conversation with Alex Kane. Again, follow them on Twitter at Sport Trade underscore app and something that could be potentially, um, you know, something that is a staple of the future industry in sports gambling. So hope you guys enjoy the interview. Joining me on the Inside Vegas podcast on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network, Alex Kane of Sport Trade, CEO, and you can find them on Twitter at SportTrade underscore app, A-P-P. The website is SportTrade.io, and of course, on the mobile app store, the app is SportTrade. Alex, my friend, we've talked about this in kind of everything that you have going on in this space and something that I feel could be uh, very revolutionary in, in everything that's going to go into building this product and, and where things are going to go from here. I guess first and foremost, man, how was your March Madness and how was everything going in your neck of the woods out on the very cold and bitter East Coast? 
Christian, thanks so much for having me. I'm, I'm looking forward to the opportunity. First things, uh, March Madness has been a little crazy. Uh, we'll get into it on this podcast, I'm sure, but we hooked up um, an automatic kind of trading bot that tracks ESPN's live win probabilities. So we had all of our users trading uh, the March Madness games. Uh, I didn't place any bets myself, uh, but I certainly was playing around with our platform. Well, let's talk. Let's jump right into it. What this platform is. No better, you know, person to get it from than the horse's mouth than yourself. So let's. I guess when you know what kind of led you to want to start this venture of sport trade, and I guess we'll we'll say kind of explain what it is, and then kind of what led you to want to create it from there. Perfect. So I kind of came up with the idea uh, watching the Masters. Actually, I'm 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 a golfer myself. I like tracking Masters futures. Uh, my dad came to me in 2016 and basically said, "Here are the odds for all the players. Who do you like?" I went to the bottom. I found a golfer named Kirudet Chappie Bonrat, who's now, if you're a golf fan, you know, pretty much a household household name. He's in the staple in the top 50. But back in 2016, he was relatively unknown. So he was a thousand to one. So I told him and his buddies to put $10 on Kiradech. Uh, and two days into the tournament, with two days remaining, he was in the second to last group at Augusta. He was tied for fourth. I went back to the same site. He was 12 to 1. And I thought, wouldn't it be great to create a platform that would allow users to kind of make money off of these odds movements? People do it all the time. I think this is overvalued. I think this is undervalued. Um, and so that's kind of how I came up with the platform itself. It's, again, this is and this is only available uh, in New Jersey, correct? Correct. We're going through the licensing process in New Jersey, and we expect to be live uh, sometime in 2019, and then we'll just evaluate state by state thereafter. Well, let's break this down even further then. And kind of, can you explain what this is based on? I know I think that most of my listeners are familiar with, you know, PropSwap. We've done so much good stuff and so, you know, been on the show so many times. With that, I think it's, you know, it's a physical website, but they're selling physical tickets. How does Sport Trade, the the, um, website, the mobile app, how does it differ from physical tickets? And I guess the the question is, is are people buy, you know, if you buy a, a ticket at FanDuel, is that what they, you know, are posting and buying on the site or kind of what is this, you know, from a big picture uh, market interface and kind of what exactly are people buying and selling through your platform? Perfect. So the best way to describe it would be a primary and secondary market for sports betting. So PropSwap, what they do is really cool. They're a secondary market for for sports betting. So you would maybe go to Caesars and you might uh, buy or purchase or bet on a future. Let's just say it's Tiger Woods to win the Masters. Uh, and then obviously the value of that ticket is determined by the market and PropSwap can then sell your ticket at either a gain or loss, determining what the market wants to pay for it. Sport Trade's a little bit different. It's it's kind of an all-in-one platform. So not only are you going to be able to cash out of any of the bets you kind of have going, but you're going to be able to actually place that original bet on Sport Trade. So I can use just a really quick example. Uh, Wichita State's playing Indiana tonight. Um, that's an NIT. I know it's, it's, it's part of the basketball that probably people, a lot of people don't watch, but it's on ESPN <laughs> at seven, seven Eastern. So I can go on sport trade here and I see that I can, this is all play money, by the way, we're still validating the technology, getting the licensing. Um, but I can bet on Wichita state at plus four twelve. Okay. So to someone that doesn't, you know, follow a lot of sports, that means a hundred dollar wager would profit me 412. So I'm going to go in right now. Um, and I'm going to place a hundred dollar bet. On Wichita State. Okay, so that bet is actually going to profit me four hundred and twelve dollars. So the really cool thing is I was able to place my original bet on Sport Trade, 
And now that I've placed that bet, I'm actually going to be able to track it in real time. So instead of me having to do any work or any math and determining where should I hedge, what would my profit be, Sportrade is going to update the market in real time, and I'm going to be able to tap that cash out button for gain or loss based on how they're doing. So if they go up to a hot start and now they're plus 100, I'm going to, be able to sell my bet for, for $150 profit or whatever the market deems it to be. Um, so that's basically kind of how Sportrade works. It's a primary market, meaning I can place any bet on the platform, and a secondary market, meaning once I have my bet, I can cash out some or all of it at any time. So let's, let's go through it. I think the questions that people, the, when you, when you, with what you just said, who are you, you know, when you said, I want to sell the bet, who are you selling it to? Does there have to be a buyer or is you as the interface, as the market buying that ticket from somebody? It's a great question. So, um, just to take a step back, sport trades, a peer to peer marketplace, meaning that we match betters on opposite side of bets. So I, if I'm placing my bet, I may be betting against a bookie that's plugged into our exchange. We have multiple bookies that are interested in kind of plugging into our exchange and using it as a place where they can offload risk and lay off wagers. It might be another user. It could be you, Christian. could be me. Um, again, our, our, our app will be kind of our platform will be accessible via web and via mobile. Uh, or it could be us. And I think we'll, we're modeling that we're going to probably be doing 5 to 10% of what we call the market making, meaning we're going to be offering these bets to the to the market in order to, to the accept them. Um, so when I'm cashing out of my bet, I don't know exactly as the better who I'm cashing, who who my bet's matching with. All I know is that I'm getting a real-time cash out offer and it's going to be at a really competitive price. And this is the really cool part because people are, I'm going to get the best price. So people on the exchange or people on the platform or bookies are going to compete to offer the best price. So one bookie might be offering minus 110 on both sides of tonight's over-under. And the next bookie might come in and say, well, I, I think I can offer minus 108 on both sides. So now instead of the better betting against one bookie, you have the better betting in a marketplace where multiple bookies are competing to offer the best, best price. So to a recreational user, that's probably going to look like you know minus 104 on both sides rather than minus 110. When you say the word bookie, I think that maybe there's, um, you know, I think that it opens the door for, you know, illegal activity. What, when you say the word bookie, are you talking about paperhead operating agents, which are again, local bookmakers and, and nothing more, nothing less. Are you talking about operators in FanDuel? Are you talking about, you know, DraftKings, you know, anywhere that is legal when you say the word bookie and, you know, kind of how is that, you know, quote unquote insured or how is the buyer and seller, uh, being guaranteed that, you know, real time instant, uh, payout. Gotcha. It's a great question. So our technology, uh, we're again, we're going through the process with the New Jersey Division of Gaming Enforcement. All bets or all offers that are posted by any person, whether they're accessing it through the mobile, um, whether they're accessing it through the web, or whether they're accessing through something called the API, which is basically kind of a, a really quick, low latency uh, relationship that uh, a trading entity might have or a bookie might have. Uh, anyway, it requires us to ensure that they have the full amount of liquidity. So if I'm offering a bet to the exchange and I'm offering to bet $100 on Houston to beat Milwaukee tonight, I need to have the $100 in, in my account in order for that bet to actually be processed on the exchange. If I'm the other side of that bet and I'm betting on Milwaukee, I even if I'm offering the bet and it hasn't been accepted yet, I need to make sure and the exchange makes sure that all of that liquidity is set up front. So there's no default risk because basically what we do is we process these bets like a financial exchange would process bets. And it requires us 
to ensure that anyone that's offering a bet or making a bet on the exchange has the full amount of liquidity that they need to in order to place the bet. So there's no risk of, hey, I just won this huge futures bet, but I'm not getting paid out. Uh, that's completely eliminated with our platform because all liquidity is kind of guaranteed by the exchange. Makes sense. Is there a is there a more of a plan to um, be integrated into um, the brick and mortar shops that are kind of popping up through legalization, specifically in New Jersey, where um, that's obviously kind of the hub of you know where you have to be to be able to utilize the app and everything, or is it going to be more towards the paperhead uh, type of you know offshore route, if you will? Uh, it will be um, you know more the the regulated route. What I can say is the when I say bookie, it's kind of interesting. It's coming kind of like different sides of the aisle. When I say bookie, I'm saying someone that wants to offer a bet to the exchange. So the really cool thing about sport trade is I could go into the master's futures market and I could play, quote unquote, the bookie. I could offer to bet against all of these different players. And as long as I have the liquidity to pay out, those offers can get matched on the exchange. Uh, or the bookie might be someone like a trading entity. Trading entities might trade on various stock exchanges or options exchanges, and they see that sports betting is very similar to those things, um, stock stock trading or options trading or what have you. And they'll be able to actually plug into our exchange and offer bets themselves. Um, so there's going to be a lot of competition price-wise with the bookies at FanDuel or the bookies at, Dra at DraftKings. And what I can tell you that's really interesting a couple of the bookies that we've talked to that are, again, on the regulated side, the William Hills of the world, the best stars of the world, are interested in being able to plug into our exchange and say, hey, you know what? I'm getting hammered on this one particular over-under. And since that's a market that's already offered on Sport Trade, I'm going to use my access to the exchange to offload risk. So again, we go back to that original example of I just cashed out of my Milwaukee, Milwaukee Bucks bet. You may have matched with a mobile user that offered a bet. You may have matched with a little bit of a bookie. You may have matched with that bookie that's offloading risk. The beauty of it, it's kind of anonymous. And all that we guarantee is that the liquidity is there and that your bet is, is guaranteed. So if you win a bet, your account will be credited with the, with the correct capital, if that makes any sense. So is the interface, um, again, I, I can't access it from in Las Vegas. So from a, you know, kind of user-friendly, uh, you know, user-friendly, but kind of where everything is, are you going, is it going to look more like a, um, let's say a sports book, either, you know, a sports book mobile app where people can, if they if there's a 10 game, uh, baseball slate, they can go and pick one, find the best odds and buy and sell it in live time kind of as that game goes on. Or is it something more geared towards, I already made this bet somewhere, whether it be a local, whether it be in person in Vegas or, um, I'm sorry, or in Jersey or is it more kind of a little bit of, you know, a mixture of both? I guess it might, my biggest question would be, you know, if I have a bet that is a physical ticket, um, you know, how can I take a picture of it or, or how does that work to get it on the site? And how do you guys ensure proof of um, it being a valid real ticket? Gotcha. It's a great question. So with regards to the interface, answering that question, it's going to look a lot like, you know, a sports book would look you, that you will have the opportunity, you know, to use sport trade as a primary market to go into your uh, nine game MLB slate, slate, pick your bet, place your bet. And then once that bet's placed, it goes in your bet slip. So it's going you're going to see it and you're going to always see a real time kind of cash out offer. So if I've been on the Astros versus the Phillies over nine and a half runs and there's four runs in the first inning, uh, I'm going to be able to cash out of my bet for a profit. And the reason is because the market is going to be offering a higher price than I originally bet. So maybe a, a, a quick example would be I bet on the over nine and a half runs at minus 110. 
And now, you know, let's say I bet 100 intent to profit 100, the cash out offer might offer me, you know, $25 in risk free profit to cash out of that bet. So that's $110 that I bet originally, plus my $25 profit. So I'd be cashing out of that bet for a total of 135. Um, so that's how the interface would look. If if you go in and place a bet with another bookie, whether that's a paperhead or whether that's with a regulated bookie in New Jersey, uh, there's nothing that we could particularly do to get that physical ticket onto the site. What we'll, we will have and what we're super excited about is you will be able to go on to our platform. Um, and this is a feature we're rolling out in the summer. Um, you'll be able to say uh, where you place the bet what the odds were, and then we'll go onto the exchange and tell you what to bet on and exactly how much to bet to get what's called an arbitrage. So a lot of books, and I know Nevada is not really doing this, but in New Jersey, this is really popular, is offering you free bet. So if I sign up for FanDuel, or if I sign up for DraftKings, or if I sign up for William Hill, they might offer me a $500 risk-free bet. So what the smart better would do is say, okay, well, I'm gonna bet that $500 risk-free on FanDuel, and let's say I bet it on the Lakers to beat the Cavs, and then I could enter my bet on Sportrade, and then Sportrade would tell you, okay, Christian, based on your bet you've already made, you should bet $343 on the Cavs on the other side of the bet, and this will be your kind of risk-free arbitrage. And I know in Europe, exchanges in Europe, that's a really cool business model because it's a way for the user to come in and use Sportrade kind of like a prop swap, and then once the has created an account, they'll realize, well, wait a minute, I can place my original bet here on Sportrade as well, and I'm not going to have to pay minus 110 like I would have FanDuel. Maybe I can get minus 105. And maybe if the offering is minus 110, I could even ask for a better price and basically say, I want to bet $100, but I'm only doing it at plus 100, not minus 110. And our exchange will take that, and then it will pop up on the other side of the market. And now you have the opportunity to get matched with somebody else. Beautiful. From a market perspective, and again, um, yeah, you know, we can't do it in Vegas, but why, um, well, I guess why is, you know, why have you picked kind of uh, Jersey? Is it a market particular thing where their laws, you know, are not close to the Nevada Gaming Commission for, for you know, speak about what it, no, the truth of what it is? Um, or, or do you see yourself kind of, you know, trying to implement sport trade markets in each state that is, um, you know, upcoming with legalization? Rhode Island just did uh, mobile wagering. As these mobile wagering states come up, do you see yourself kind of, you know, getting in to each different market because again through the you know geolocators through GPS you're basically going to have to be in the state um, to do this so would you have you know in theory what 20 different markets of sport trade markets for each state or how do you kind of see that playing out it's a really good question uh, first the reason we chose New Jersey is I think you hit on this a little bit the new Nevada gaming regulations uh, say it what you will are, are maybe a little bit behind where New Jersey is. One of the things that you're allowed to do in New Jersey, which from my understanding you can't do in Las Vegas or in Nevada, is have a cash out offer on a bet, uh, which is one of the reasons why PropSwap is so so uh, prevalent. So at a site like FanDuel in New Jersey, they have a feature called cash out where you can place a bet and then cash out of that bet. Of course, kind of behind the scenes and what's going on is that you're paying the VIG once by getting in, and then you pay the VIG again by getting out, and you may even pay a VIG on top of that VIG so the value that you'd get from cashing out of your bet is essentially gone because of kind of the vig that they apply so that's one of the reasons uh is that that nevada doesn't really allow kind of this idea of a cash out which is really like the lifeblood of sport trade 
Um, and the second thing is, is it's kind of volume play. So a lot of um, Nevada's volume seems to be from people that kind of maybe visit Las Vegas or they visit Reno for a week and then they're they're gone. Um, our our platform is a little bit more geared towards someone that's going to be in the state. And if they're not in the state, maybe they're coming across state lines, whether that's from New York, Connecticut, Delaware, New Jersey, uh, or sorry, or Pennsylvania to come across and kind of use the platform on more than a one or two day basis. Because the really engaging thing about sport trade is that you're no longer placing bets. Um, you're placing bets, you're getting them at better odds than you would with a bookie. And then you can kind of follow your portfolio of bets as the game goes out. So this is a perfect example is I was tracking the March Madness games. Again, our platform is free to sign up, free to play right now. And I placed all these bets on Thursday. And as soon as I placed all those bets, I can, can track all of them in my portfolio. So the teams that were doing well, the cash out offer was green, meaning I was going to be able to cash out for a profit and vice versa if the team was doing bad. And I felt like it was kind of a modern day form of stock trading. I think a lot of people like trading stocks, but it's really hard to understand like what's the value of Apple or what's the value of Starbucks or how do I value uh, Amazon versus like I know that TCU is going to beat Creighton tonight, for example. So I'm going to go on sport trade and place my bet on TCU and, and I'm going to be able to follow it like a stock. If someone for Creighton goes down or if someone from TCU looks like they're playing well, I might even decide to, to bet more on TCU because I feel like I'm so in tune with the content I'm watching. I can actually watch that game and kind of trade it as it goes on. So kind of vice versa on the other side, if I bet on TCU and they come out really slow, but the market really hasn't moved because the score is still close, I might say, well, wait a minute, I was totally wrong about this. I can cash out for no profit, no loss right now because I really think I'm more uncertain about this than I was three hours ago. So really kind of it's an engagement play. So hopefully that kind of answers your question about why we chose New Jersey and then kind of moving on to States after that, I think there's a lot of states that are showing a lot of promise with regards to mobile wagering. Indiana is one of them. Uh, Tennessee kind of remains to be seen. Uh, Massachusetts is the really, really exciting one because it doesn't, uh, so far as I've understood it, as proposed, it doesn't require uh, operators to be um, partnered with land-based casinos. So you're going to see more of the European model there uh, in Massachusetts. So to answer your question, it's really going to be a state-by-state play after that. And it's going to be up to the states whether they want to, similar to how they did with poker, allow these kind of interstate compacts that would allow kind of betting across state lines via what's called the safe harbor provision, which is in the Wire Act that basically says uh, interstate gambling with regards to sports is illegal, but for if two entities or two jurisdictions or two states um, both have legalized sports gambling and then the information is crossing between those states. So yeah, to answer your question, it's gonna be a state-by-state rollout with the possibility of interstate compacts afterwards. And that's where it gets really exciting because now, instead of having three different markets in three different states, you can have one market in three different states. Makes so much sense on a, on a ton of different levels. I want to ask you about uh, when you're talking about the, you know, uh, buying and selling tickets, is there, you know, is there always going to be somebody there to buy your ticket instantly? If again, assuming, you know, you're, you're setting it at the right price or, or the website is telling you what is being offered to you in, in kind of, I know you said it's, it's very much anonymous, but is there a situation where the website or sport trade itself is the one taking those bets? And if so, what kind of legality is that in you, you know, essentially operating a sports book, um, you know, without a license, but without, you know, any of those uh, restrictions or kind of the hurdles that came with that. 
That's a really good question. So um, our primary focus is liquidity. And you get a bit of a chicken and egg problem, right? So if you get, uh, let's say, a thousand mobile users to come onto Sport Trade, you might find that you have a lot of buyers, but not a lot of sellers. All of that is to say, you may have a lot of people that want to place bets right away, but not the exact same amount of people that want to offer bets. And for each bet to occur to be matched on our exchange, you need to have someone that's offering the bet and someone to play, take the bet. So with regards to licensing, and this is where we diverge a lot from PropSwap, we actually are going the operator route. We will be licensed as an operator, exactly how FanDuel will be licensed, exactly how DraftKings will right, be licensed. Right, makes sense. And, and we'll be doing probably about 5 to 10% of the bet activity uh, up front ourselves. Uh, and that will come through a totally subsidiary kind of branch of the company that's using the API access um, that we're building for other clients as well. So there's trading entities that are already signed up that are going to be kind of trading uh, these games and buying and selling these tickets. Um, there's professional bettors that are very interested in having this API access because they have a model, maybe they're an originator, and they've already built a trading bot. Um, that's going to be super exciting. So to answer the question, we're not going to absolutely guarantee that every time you want to offer a bet, especially if it's at a super advantageous price for, for you, that it's going to be matched right away. So to tackle that, we're really, really focused on the market making side. We're going to, again, we're going to be doing 5 to 10% of it. And finally, we're not going to be offering a super, super, super wide range of markets up front. So a perfect example, I know we talked about this before, if I'm betting on in the Eagles-Cowboys game, um, the markets that offered in that game would be money line, maybe one or two over-under markets in terms of total score. So maybe you have one at 53 and a half and have one at 57 and a half, and then you have one or two kind of spread markets. So you might have uh, Eagles minus three and a half and Cowboys minus three and a half. So you're having you know five to six markets within that game. And it's not a lot of options and or it's not a, a wide array of markets. But what we're doing is we're focusing the liquidity that's on the platform into those specific markets, which increases your your chance as a better to get matched, if that makes sense. It does. Do you see yourself kind of, I know this is kind of football specific, but I guess it could be applied to any sport, basketball, baseball. Do you see yourself kind of uh, maybe, you know, uh, stepping into the prop market, player projections, all that type of stuff? Or are you just going to try to keep it as simple as possible, at least to start? Yeah, we're, we're, we're definitely really focused on keeping it simple. And, and we, we kind of got this idea from, from talking to our users. So we're finding that a, a lot of our users uh, have bet on sports, but there's a good portion of them that have never bet on sports before. So it's kind of a really cool opportunity to kind of do this from a blank slate. Um, and props kind of make sense to these, to these users. So um, a perfect prop would be like, which uh, player is going to score first? That's a perfectly acceptable kind of market or easy to, to uh, launch market on sport trade. So you might have a range of 15 or 16 different players, um, eight on both teams or whatever, basically saying who's going to score next. And the really cool thing about an exchange where you can't do with a sports book is you could go on and say, you know what? I don't think that Carson Wentz is going to score first. There's no, his leg's not doing great. I don't think he's going to scramble out of the pocket. And I don't think he's going to score first. So I'm actually going to be the bookie on that side. I'm going to offer this bet to the market. So you're kind of, by making so these- So the better is going to act market. as trying to short that bet and, and essentially act as, you know, taking a bet from somebody. When you, when you say bookie, it's really, it's, it would be somebody like me that wants to short a side of action, correct? Yep. 
and it would it would be as simple as this. So you might say, okay, um, I will bet against uh, Carson Wentz. Uh, I don't think he's going to score first in this prop market of who's going to score first. I actually think it's going to be, you know, I might not know who it's going to be, but I know who it's not going to be. So I'm willing to, uh, let's say, collect $10 on Carson Wentz. But if Carson Wentz ends up scoring, I got to pay out 100 Right. So what that would look like in, in terms of American odds, that would be, let's see, minus 900, I believe, meaning that you're kind of risking that middle 900 to profit 100. Yep. Um, so that's how that would kind of work. So now there's kind of that duality of markets. So you could kind of go in and say, I don't think it's going to be player X, Y or Z. And I maybe think it's going to be player A. And just like every single bet that you're placing on sport trade, that turns into its own little bet slip. And now that's going to be traded in real time. So if Carson Wentz throws an interception and now the Cowboys are driving down the field, well, now it's really unlikely that Carson Wentz is going to score first in this game. So now you're going to be able to cash out of that bet for a profit because it's very you, you made you basically said, I don't think this is going to happen. And since you made that prediction, it's been far less likely that it's going to happen, which is going to allow you to cash out of that bet for profit. Um, so every bet that you kind of once you place it on sport trade, you will be able to cash it out based on whatever the market price is at that given time. And again, that might come from a mobile user that might come from me that might come from someone at sport trade that's offering the bet there. So it's, it's anonymous in, in the way that you're you're guaranteed to get the best price, but you don't know exactly who's offering that price it would work the same thing for player props for uh you know and again stick to football say over under yards as well in theory when if somebody's you know say um uh i don't know give me a player here uh chris hogan is at you know 45 you know 45 yards is over under and he catches a 20 yard pass in the first play um now it would work in the same way where you could buy and sell a short or, or try to get on that bet the same way in theory correct Absolutely. So he might be minus one ten to go over forty five yards. Someone made someone so someone's offered that bet. Someone took that bet. Now the person that took that bet's real looking really good because he just ran. He just caught a pass for twenty yards, and now there's still you know fifty five minutes of football remaining, and he's only got to get twenty and a half yards or whatever it is, or twenty five and a half yards. So now the value of that bet's going to increase. And it might be the person that originally offered the bet saying, you know what, uh, I offered this bet. And now I feel like he's going to go off. I want to get out of this. So those original two users that bet on one side could then actually be betting on the other side. The person that took the bet cashing out the person that for a profit, the person that offering the bet kind of cashing out for a loss. But, you know, it, it, Again, cash out is really, really cool because you're not only going to be cashing out for a profit, you might be cashing out for a loss saying, you know what, I made a totally wrong call on this and I don't want to lose my shirt. So my value of my bet still X amount of dollars. Maybe I bet 10, but still worth two. That seems like a gain to me because I definitely think this outcome is going to occur. You cash out those $2 and now your account balance increases by those $2 and you're, you're able to go into any other market and kind of use those $2 so unlike a bookie where it's kind of locked until the end, it's more frictionless. It makes so much sense. I want to talk about kind of futures because I think that that's a, you know, that's probably the biggest market when it comes to buying and selling. Um, that makes the most sense for people, both in season long for either team wins in any different sport. Um, for baseball, you could talk Cy Young, MVP, um, home run, as those are all fluid throughout the year. Um, when it comes to the long-term aspect of buying and selling, what do you guys envision for yourself in, you know, kind of options for players? Um, will you guys be offering futures, all that type of stuff when it comes to, again, you know, in baseball, you could do MVP, Cy Young, football MVP or season win totals in any given sport. Um, how does that, you know, how do you see that playing out? 
Yeah, it's a really good question. The, the futures part of this is kind of going back to the beginning of the story is like the inspiration behind this. And I think being able to trade futures is is probably one of the coolest parts, as you noted, about trading with sport trade or betting with sport trade. So we'll have, you know, anywhere where we think there's going to be liquidity. So for those football fans, you're going to have MVP markets going to be really, really cool. Uh, Super Bowl, as well as divisional and conference kind of outcomes, uh, as well as, you know, and kind of across the board. So you'll have that in baseball, you have that in basketball. And like the really, really, really cool thing about sport trade that people are really, really excited about is, you know, the Browns is a perfect example. So they signed Odell Beckham Jr. And all of a sudden at a couple of these New Jersey books, they shoot to like 12 to 1, 14 to 1. And for every person that I talked to that thought that that was that 14 to one had value, there was 15 people on the other side saying that's way overvalued 14 to one. No way. So the really cool thing about sports trade is, again, that you could go and actually take the other side of that Browns bet and basically saying I'll collect up front with a, with a potential of paying out if they do win. Uh, but I don't think that's going to happen. So whatever I collect up front, I, I'm, I'm thinking, well, I, they're not going to they're not going to win. So I'm not going to end up paying out. So kind of that two sided market kind of plays out as the game and as the season plays out. So if the Browns start to do well and I'm sitting there and I've I've booked one hundred dollars of bets against the Browns at 14 to one. Now I got to pay out fourteen hundred dollars if if the Browns win. It's really cool because I have the ability to actually get out of that bet before the Browns end up winning. So if they're in Super Bowl Sunday, God forbid, I, I don't think that's, I probably don't think that's going to happen. But if, if, if they're now sitting there in Super Bowl Sunday and they're playing against, let's just say the Eagles, and they have a 45% chance of being the Eagles, I probably want to get out of or hedge out of some of my bet because now I'm looking at a $1,400 payout. And I really don't want to do that. Again, the the money is kind of already in my account. So for me to have actually made that bet against the Browns, I would have had to have that in my account in the first place. Um, but again, I don't. That's not money that I want to be losing. So the really cool thing about sport trade is I might decide to then bet on the Browns and kind of cash out of that bet. And maybe I cash out some. Maybe I cash out all. Maybe I do something that's really cool. And we see a lot of our users doing this already, even in the basketball game, is understanding that they've made an incorrect prediction, cashing out of that prediction, and then betting really hard on the other side. So in that Browns example, maybe I think now the Browns are going to win. Maybe something's kind of hit me. I've had an epiphany. So I cash out of my Browns bet. So I originally collected $100 on the Browns, but now I have to bet $700 on the Browns to get out of my bet. And then I I bet an additional $1,000 on the Browns. So now very frictionlessly, I've gotten out of my Browns betting against kind of position, and now I'm betting on the Browns. And then the same thing applies. So if they are driving down the field, I'm going to see the cash out value of my bet increase. And if they throw an interception, it's going to jump down and it's going to feel kind of like a stock market where now I can kind of start to predict the next play. So if I think that Baker Mayfield looks really, really good. Odell Beckham Jr. and him are having great chemistry. Uh, the score is 10-0. I can now see that that's reflected in my cash out value. So now I can cash out for a massive profit. So I might think, okay, you know what? I'll actually cash out now because I think that the Eagles are going to go on a bit of a run. The Eagles go in a bit of a run. Now it's 10-10 starting the second half. And now I can get back in on the Browns and say, you know what? Now I think they're going to go on a run again. And I can kind of play this how users kind of play the stock market. Just say, you know what? It's really easy. All I have to do is place a bet and I will see that cash out value change based on what the market was willing to offer me. 
Is there a, I guess this is a much more bigger conversation, but is there, what were kind of the legality issues or did you not run into very many um, at all? Again, because it is so anonymous um, that, you know, basically by doing that, a, you know, any given patron or any given customer is becoming a uh, bookmaker for a lack of a better term way when anyone is going to either short or buy a team that could be long-term, that could be one game, depending on how strongly they feel about any given situation. Were there any kind of hurdles that kind of came across that, you know, when you, when you talk peer to peer, um, there's, you know, different ways to get around it, I would believe, but, you know, were there any different, you know, substantial things that kind of came with that um, type of theory? Uh, it was something that we were certainly a little bit worried about. We've obviously consulted uh, our legal team. We've obviously consulted uh, a bunch of other legal opinions as we kind of were formulating this idea. Um, and this type of wagering, it's called exchange wagering, is is somewhat popular in Europe. Uh, it has about 15 to 20 percent kind of market share. So the Betfairs of the world, the Betdax of the world, Matchbook. Um, and it's kind of funny because exchange wagering via the laws of, of New Jersey are actually allowed. So it's one of the types of wagering that's allowed. It, it forces us to go through the exact same partnership and exact same licensing process of, as one of those established bookmakers. But it does allow any user to kind of, quote unquote, play the bookie to bet against or bet on any outcome. It's so, it's so fascinating to me that, you know, with everything that came with, um, you know, PASPA and how even before this, just how kind of, you know, the wire act and, you know, there was people doing, you know, 20 to 50 years, depending on how big of an operation they were to become a bookie, just kind of how far, um, it's come in such a short period of time, you know, do you feel the same way? Are you getting that kind of vibe as well? Yeah. And the, the, absolutely. And, and one of the things that I'm really excited about is the, a lot has changed, even even in 10 months since the fall of PASPA in May of 2018. And one of the really cool things that's changing is the public's perception of sports betting. There, um, And that's something we're really excited about. So there's been a stigma kind of attached to the whole idea of me versus the bookie. And I the bookie's going to know more than me and I'm not in control. And what kind of sport trade offers is, is the user somewhat of a Robin Hood experience. And so there's a lot of millennials that trade on the the um, stock trading app called Robinhood, and it really makes them feel like something that's really, really complicated and, and scary, which is stock trading, can be very simple, it can be mobile friendly, can have great user interface, great user experience. And that's something we're building with sport trade. And I think a lot of people, you know, they say 80% of people that watch sports don't even bet on sports. So we see there's a massive opportunity of people that love making predictions love watching sports, are watching the same content that you and I, Christian, are watching, and can uh, maybe not 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 quite as good at making predictions on outcomes as someone like a professional like yourself, uh, but can feel like, hey, you know what? This is, I feel like this is fairly risk-free. I can put $5 down on the Eagles to beat the Bengals, and if I place that bet and three seconds later, I don't want to do that, I can cash out for nearly the value of $5. So I kind of feel like I'm always in control. It's, it's in Courage. It's okay to have smaller bet sizes, and that's how people kind of get involved in kind of using this exchange. And, I, and then again, there's the social aspect to it. I think there's there's a, a large thesis that we have at Sport Trade that we want to make sports betting more social. We want to make it kind of bring it out into the light more. People should be proud to kind of share their bad beats as well as their hot streaks. Um, and I think as an operator, we have a lot of that data that's kind of sitting there, and there's a lot of cool things that we're going to do with that data. So integrating with social media and things like that. I think um, Action Network has done that fairly well where you can kind of kind of share your plays. Uh, there's certainly a large social aspect to that. But in overall, our thesis is 
this can we're going to take the stigma away and we're going to make this a lot more fun and a lot more social Love it. Alex Kane again, CEO of Sports Trade. And as always, we are brought to you by MyBookie. MyBookie.ag is the official online sports book of the Sports Gaming Podcast Network and the Inside Vegas Podcast. March Madness is in full swing and enter promo code SGP50 to activate your offer. Play, win, and get paid. We're also brought to you by PlayBalto. Sports Gaming Podcast is partnered up with PlayBalto.com for our March Madness Bracket Challenge. And discuss where your bracket is in the rankings, PlayBalto.com. Last FanVest wagering exchange with the stock market for sports. FanZest is launching a free-to-play March Madness portfolio challenge up to $1,000 up in four grabs in fan bucks. And lastly, SGP10K is here. Enter promo code hashtag SGP10K and tag at Gambling Podcast for a free chance to win $1,000. I want to talk to you about uh, something that is very near and dear to my heart, and that is professional betters and what is going on with uh, everything we've seen in the news from uh, William Hill to DraftKings to FanDuel uh, banning and getting rid of professional betters. Is, um, I again, I know from talking to you kind of where you're going to take this because I think it's so awesome. Is this something that professionals who maybe have had limits cut have maybe have had, you know, been banned from casinos in New Jersey? Is this a way for them to place bets anonymously? Um, and kind of how do you see that situation going? And why is it so advantageous for those type of players to play with you? Absolutely. I think the uh, what's so exciting about the professional better angle is um, we're providing kind of a legal and regulated way for these professionals to quote unquote get down. So you've heard what happens at, at, at William Hill and at various other kind of sites in New Jersey. I can't speak to Nevada because I don't know that market very well, but I'm imagining that something I'm here similar to tell happens. You, it's, it, it ain't great. <laughs> And 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 the real issue is that the bookie system is really of a, a me versus you type thing, where me being, let's say, I'm a bookie and you're a player, um, because I have I'm a business. I have a bottom line to protect, and you know I don't view my business as a charity. And this is how bookmakers feel. Uh, and the result of that, and I'm sure that you can speak to this with, within Nevada. I know in New Jersey it's a pretty large problem is in-play betting is really tough. There's a lot of friction because you might be a better. You might want to get $1,000 down on the live money line, and there's a 10 to 12 to 15 to 20 second delay on that bet. Until it's approved that's from really, a bookmaker or a live trader, correct? Yeah. Right. And that's that's really inequitable because what that basically allows the bookmaker to do is have a 20 second time advantage over you because you place the bet with a certain sit, set of situation. And then 20 seconds pass, and now the bookie is, has the benefit of seeing what's happened in the 20 seconds and can either say, no, Christian, you're either A, a winning player, or B, the odds have changed in your favor, so I'm going to reject this bet and offer you a new one or limit you entirely. Or yes, and the reason they would say yes is because maybe you're betting on the Bucks money line and they just turn the ball over and you didn't know that in the time that you obviously placed the bet because you can't see into the future. Despite what your, uh, your various plays have been over the years, Christian, I know you can't see into the future. Uh, but so, so it's very, it's very um, inequitable. Um, so professional bettors, we've been in contact with a lot of professional bettors, and they're very excited about the exchange. And the number one thing they're most excited about is not having their wagers uh, limited and not being banned outright. Again, our business model, and I can go into it, uh, we want to be as transparent as possible, is we take less than 1% commission on volume. So whereas a bookie in Nevada, if you can kind of look at how they do month over month, they tend to do about 5 to 6% on handle. So they take 6 
percent of handle. We take less than one. In New Jersey, it's a bit higher. They cha- they take you know they've taken as much as thirteen last last October, uh, all the way down to four or five last month. So they take about eight. So obviously, uh, our business model is totally different. We don't really care who wins or loses. Remember, we're matching betters. No one's really betting against us aside from the proprietary trading aspect that we want to engage in. Um, we're there to just kind of match betters and then take a very, very small, less than 1% commission. So obviously, professional betters are very excited about that. They're among the people that see themselves as maybe trying this kind of bookmaker angle to say, okay, well, if I have the real-time data, maybe I can be the one offering the bets. And if I offer a really competitive price, then the market's going to match with me because the market gets to match at kind of the best price possible. So if I go into pregame of the Eagles versus Bengals game and I offer minus 105 on both sides, that could be super competitive. And now everyone's betting against me and everything's still great because I'm collecting, you know, 210 units or whatever it is to only have to pay out 200. Uh, But then the next book, you might come in and say, well, wait a minute, I can offer minus 104 on both sides. And you can kind of see already how the marketplace kind of solves that problem of inequity really quickly. Whereas with a bookie, you either can take that minus 110 or minus 120, or you can't. And in your case, Christian, in a lot of professional cases, even you can even beat the 110, which is really, really, really hard to do. I'm here as a statistician to tell you that if you can beat the closing line 52.38, I believe the implied probability of minus 110 is, that is incredibly hard to do. And it's very, very impressive. And if you are able to do that, the bookmakers can then just say, you know what, Christian, I don't want to take your action anymore. And that is a really, really, really not fair and not transparent way to do things. So that's the kind of advantage we have over the bookmaker model. And that's what makes us so appealing to the professional better. What kind of limits are you guys thinking of kind of implementing and when it comes with professionals and betting, you know, say they're betting 10,000 to 20,000 or, and that's what they're kind of, that's the, that's what they want to play. Um, you know, I think that that's over a lot of people, recreational betters head using your, your interface, say that somebody yeah. really, a, a recreational hundred dollar better really loves a position that somebody's selling. They want to get on it, but it's, you know, well above their, uh, means to be able to do so. How is that going to play out? And kind of, are you going to try to, you know, uh, try to offset that yourselves as a shop or how do you you see that if the price disparity gets, you know, a hundred thousand to ten dollars out there? It's a really good question. So um probably the best way to answer this question would be with a short example. So let's say that again, who's playing tonight? Okay, so Milwaukee's playing the Rockets tonight. And if I'm looking on our exchange right now, I can bet on the Rockets at plus two fifty. So let's say I I'm a professional better and I really like that number plus plus two fifty. Well, there might only be $1,000 matchable immediately at that price of plus 250. So if I want to bet $10,000 or $100,000, let's say I want to bet $10,000 and I'm a professional better, um, what I'm going to do is I'm going to match right away with that 1000 at plus 250. And what will happen then is that my other $9,000 that I want to bet will go onto the exchange. And I can, all, I can cancel that at any time as long as it's not matched. So if I'm a recreational player and all of a sudden on the other side of that bet, I can now bet at minus 250 on the bucks, um, that looks really appealing to me. But I might not be able to afford a $9,000 bet, to your point. And something about our technology that's really cool is that that professional's better's $9,000 worth of unmatched bet at 
Houston Rockets at plus 250 can actually match with either one person or can match with a bunch of people. So if I'm a recreational better and I just want to put $100 down on the bucks at minus 250, then I can do that. And that will decrease basically the order size that the professional better has offered. So now there's only $8,900 matchable at that price. And if the market's liquid enough, what will happen is because the bookie that that better has offered a really really competitive price, um, that's going to be the first price to be to be bet on the other side. So if I'm looking on this exchange right now, I can bet at minus two sixty one on the bucks. But when that professional better come, came in and he bet at plus two fifty, guess what? That's going to appear on the other side at minus two fifty. So now the bucks just went from minus two sixty one to minus two fifty. So now that's the a really competitive price. Everyone that's betting on the bucks is going to get that minus two fifty price. So that professional better that offered that nine thousand dollar wager is it might be matching with ten thousand different people or one big sharp. Uh, so that hopefully that kind of answers your question. It, it's more of like a commoditized thing. Like imagine if you yep. wanted to sell your prop stop ticket. You don't really care if it matches with a thousand people or one. You just care that you got your price and you got it quickly. And that's what our technology does. What are you got to keep it just as simple as possible? What are you kind of doing for limits as a whole? Or is it different from person to person, even though it is anonymous? I mean, if I want, if in theory, somebody wants to go on there and put a million dollars on one bet, is that, you know what I mean? Like what, where is kind of your line as far as what you're you know kind of willing to do? As, as far as the New Jersey Division of Gaming Enforcement allows us, I believe at, at the point of, I believe, it, and don't quote me on this, I believe $10,000 wager, uh, it requires an increased, uh, you know, the better has to fill out some form to validate that we know who they are. Uh, and then beyond that, I believe the largest bet that you can place on the app is something like $500,000. So if you want to go on there and, and offer a $500,000 wager at the Houston Rockets plus 250, you're going to match with whatever's available at that price. So then the rest is going to be offered to the market. So if you go on there day one of legalization and uh, launch of sports trade, of course, that's not going to be matched right, because right. that's a huge amount of liquidity. But uh, over time, if we have, uh, if we start to reach critical mass and a lot of people understand kind of what we're doing, there's a very good chance that, you know, 12, 18 months down the road, that $100,000 or $500,000 could be matched within, you know, two to three minutes. And if it's a bet that you've placed uh, before the game, uh, there might be a lot of people that want to bet on the bucks. We send them a push notification that, you know, there's all kind of be going to be hooked up. It's going to be on F Facebook and Twitter and whatever. You might see a tweet that, oh, my gosh, the price of the bucks went down. Like I was just shopping for, you know, whatever at Walmart. And I might have gotten a, uh, a notification that like, hey, this this whatever, uh, you know, uh, product that you want to buy is now on sale in that same kind of format will send someone a notification say, hey, looks like you want to bet on the bucks and their price just dropped from minus 260 to minus 250. You might now go on and say, okay, well, I'll put $10 on it. Let's go. Um, and that's kind of what's really exciting about this whole thing is kind of the social aspect where you could on one side have one shark and on the other side have three little sharks and maybe uh, 50 recreational betters. And the really, really cool thing is because of our super, super low fee, you know, who knows, you know, who's going to win that over time. And the recreational better got better odds than they would have on FanDuel because they were able to bet bucks at minus 250, whereas on FanDuel, they had to do it at minus 350. So they literally just saved $100 by using Sport Trade. 
So nice. And as I, as I kind of run over questions in my house or in my, by myself about um, kind of game theory stuff, I think this one's kind of fairly simple. It would operate the same way as an in-game um, type of situation when you're talking about buying and selling is parlays and teasers, the same thing. You're going to have live instant, you know, cash out options. If one leg of the, you know, whatever it is, four to five teamer hits, it's going to give you a new one, a, a second one, or are people going to be, be able to flat out buy that ticket with the last three or how is, how do those type of situations work? Yeah. So for teasers, the, the cool thing about teasers is uh, we'll be able to offer kind of more than one kind of alternate spread for the game. And the more activity we have in a market, the more amount of alternate spreads we'd be able to offer. Uh, parlays, in fact, interestingly, are actually really tough on the exchange because there's not one centralized bookie. So there's if you're customizing like a, a six teamer bet. Um, it's going to be really hard to match kind of all six of those teams at the right price. So a parlays for us are kind of off the board at first. Um, and we'll kind of see what we can do in the R and D department there. A lot of exchanges, what they do, which I really don't like what they do is they offer kind of like these set in play parlays. So you could bet on, uh, okay, home dogs night or whatever. And that's like a preset kind of parlay that can be traded throughout the game. What you're talking about is more of a customizable experience where you can say, okay, I want to take Wichita State. I'll take the under and first half points. And I actually want to take Creighton as well. And then based on that, I would be able to bet with a bookie. So parlays we're not going to be able to do for that reason of it requires one centralized bookmaker. And as you know, once you kind of get beyond three teams in a parlay anyway, you probably shouldn't be doing it because the EV of that bet, if it's, if it's above what you're betting, that's really, really good. But most more often than not, parlays of three teams or more tend to kind of work against your favor anyway. Completely agree. Anything else out there in terms of stuff that has kind of come up that you think um, users should know of, you know, in terms of uh, legality questions, uh, stuff that you've seen kind of been, you know, repeatedly brought up to you um, through the users or or anything like that when it comes to either uh, the legality, um, bookmaking or anything in general uh, from a logistical standpoint or anything like that before I get you out here? Yeah, it's actually really interesting. We've had a couple of people kind of reach out to us uh and see where new jersey is on this kind of entity wagering idea in nevada I, i'm sure you know it quite well uh allows kind of llcs or these entities to pull out of state I will money never and, and not then, to cut you out i will never understand how it is not the biggest thing going in nevada that it entity entity betting shops like hedge funds mutual funds venture capitalists should be in nevada hiring a team of analysts and handicappers because entity betting is legal in nevada in the same way that these syndicates and groups work you know via credit shops via off screens they could do the same thing here uh with basically you know being mutual fund operators here and i will never understand. I thought, you know, in theory, you should be able to walk into somebody's office the same way you would a stockbroker or a mutual fund firm and be able to work with somebody like that, in my opinion. Yeah. And I, and I think New Jersey's not quite there on the entity side. Uh, so with regards to the wire act, any, any server or any human uh, that wants to place a bet with sport trade obviously has to do it within the state lines of New Jersey. That kind of keeps us within federal law as well as state state law there in New Jersey. Uh, so there's been a quite vigorous kind of process. As you know, GeoComply is something that's vital to our business. Uh, agent identity verification is very, very important. So from a legal standpoint, it's going to be uh, kind of a New Jersey Division of Gaming Enforcement legalized option in the state. Um, and there's a, certainly, as you noted, a lot of interest, and we've talked to a lot of people that want to put together these kind of trading funds. 
uh, and basically say, hey, look, this is the next options market. And what we tell them is, we're not going to do anything the wrong way. We want to do this the right way. So if you get in there and you get in into New Jersey and you put a physical server and you have a trading team in New Jersey, you will be allowed to plug right into our exchange. Um, and that's something people are really, really excited about because someone, if you're a fund, and we talked to one the other day, and they had X million dollars. Um, the problem with betting with a bookie when you have that much liquidity is it's going to be really hard to kind of not be banned because if you really do have a good trading team, you have a good trading desk at that entity and you're starting to win, well, one bookie is going to limit you and then you're going to be out, then the next bookie, and then all of a sudden, you're not going to have any more options versus an exchange. We're going to allow you to bet as much as you legally are allowed to bet via the state laws. And, you know, these entities see this as a massive opportunity. We've had, you know, entities that we're talking to that are going to be market makers on the exchange, uh, meaning that they're going to be kind of playing the bookie. We have entities that we're talking to that are going to be market takers on the exchange. So they have real time data. They're going to be sitting there with a trading bot that's trading kind of every second based on, oh, this basket just happened. I should hop on this money line what have you. And I think that speaking more broadly, I think that's the future of betting in the United States where you kind of cast a wider net and say, look, it's still the same product. It's going to be a bet on or against any outcome, but you're doing it not just against one bookie, you're doing it against a market of people. And because the market, you know, you're casting a wider net per se, the volume is going to go through the roof and the prices are going to be a lot more competitive. And that's why I always say, Minus 110 is the bookie, you know, minus 102, minus 103 is what you're going to get on sport trade because the markets kind of start to get really, really, really competitive to offer the best price. I love that. I know we talked so much about kind of where you see that. I think that that should be our last thing kind of expanding on that is to what the end goal is to kind of make lines more uh, advantageous to the better when a brick and mortar shop in New Jersey sees this betting exchange uh, offering a minus 102, minus 105, um, and what that kind of will mean to for them in their long-term view and kind of how they change things. Um, can you expand on that and kind of what that goal is to try to, um, you know, help the better when it comes to getting better lines at, you know, the, the kind of, you know, long-term lasting ramifications from other books kind of having to keep up with it yeah I, th I think the it's really interesting this is possibly the most interesting point of all this and we've talked to a lot of originators actually been fortunate to talk a lot of people that are the original kind of handicappers for a lot of these markets it's really interesting kind of how the lines move you know it goes off screen and then it comes on screen and by the time it's on screen the kind of the party's over because all of these bookmakers move the lines at the exact same time what it will force the, the you know uh, competitive other com com competitors to do, other bookmakers in the state, is they're going to have to be a little bit more priced competitive with their lines. If somebody comes in and our exchange basically is able to allow, let's just say, minus 108 up front, um, it might not force the you know DraftKings or FanDuel to do anything. But if we go to minus 105, minus 104, minus 103, and we're kind of creeping down, it's going to force them to be a lot smarter with the with their bets, and what it probably will mean is those they're going to have to invest a little bit more in the things that matter, and the things that matter are trading teams. So we've talked to a lot of people that say, "Hey, listen, I'm a really good originator. If FanDuel hired me, or if DraftKings hired me, 
uh, I could operate a 2% overround, you know, a 4 cent or 10 cent straddle, minus 105 both sides, and all these in-play MLB games, because I know based on who's on base and what the score is and what the game's looking like, exactly what the price should be. Uh, and again, the, the more competitive you make that price, the, the higher chance you're going to balance your book. Why? Because the prices are getting competitive. So it's not so easy to balance your book at minus 110, minus 115. I get that. But if you're offering minus 104, minus 105, it's going to be a heck of a lot easier to balance your book because you're going to have a lot more interest from both sides. So what I think it will do in the end for, for the recreational better is one of our theses, which is to make betting a lot more democratic, a lot more transparent, and a lot more cost-effective. In the super long term, I think that you're going to have, again, a lot of these books are going to stop maybe offering you know, $1,000, $3,000, $5,000, whatever it is, kind of in free plays. And they'll take that money and, they're, and they'll invest it in a product that's really differentiated. And that's where we hope to kind of spark in New Jersey is to allow these operators and force these operators to be a lot more uh, innovative with what their product offerings are. I can tell you that in New Jersey specifically, there are multiple operators that are powered by the exact same risk management firms in Europe, which means that you could go on BetStars or you could go on DraftKings for any of your New Jersey listeners, and their lines will be the exact same. The limits will be the exact same. The parlays will be the exact same. It's essentially the same product. Yep. Uh, which That's is how Vegas really is as well with parent companies. A, C a CGT book or an M Life book will have the same lines and, and same liability because oh. even though they have four shops, say it's MGM and, and you know there's four other sh uh, sports books they operate or CGT the same way. That one shop may take a loss, but it all goes in the same you know same pocket at the end, whether it be CGT or, or whatever the case may be. So it's the same exact thing in Nevada as well. Gotcha. Yeah, it makes total sense. And so to kind of answer your question in a, in a, I know it's been a long winded kind of way is I hope that this brings a lot more comp price competition to the United States. I think minus 110 has been the norm for so long. And we'll know if we're doing something right in the next three to four years, if minus 105 starts to become the norm. Because if you're really good, and I know that if, Christian, in the sports that you're really, really good at handicapping, if you operated a sports book, on the sports that you really, really know, you could still make money long-term, clearly, because you're sitting on the other side of the aisle and doing that, by offering bets with a smaller overround at minus 105. I know you can do it. And I know there's a lot, there's other people out there that can do it. So if, if, if it can be done at minus 105, then it should be done at minus 105. Because at the end of the day, you want the betters to win and because a better winning means that their account goes up and if the account goes up, they're more likely to bet on the next game and the next game. And it turns more into kind of a stock market kind of exchange where the fee is very, very, very small. The overround is very, very small versus a 10 percent VIG or a 20 cent straddle right away. You're scaring off people that would be very interested in this market had the fees been a lot less, uh, and you're really kind of doing more damage than you are good. So hopefully over time, the price will be get a lot more competitive because of us. Again, Alex Kate, CEO of Sport Trade at Sport Trade underscore app and sporttrade.io is the website and available on the app store as well. Um, I, I mean, we, we're a little long. I'm sorry. There's just so much to get into there and, and so much kind of interesting stuff to peel back and, and you know, such an incredible uh, type of product for the space, specifically uh, in New Jersey, and of course, expansion potentially on the horizon. Anything else you want to talk about we, that we didn't really get to at this point? That's it. I, I would say thanks so much for the opportunity. Obviously, any of your listeners can head over to our website. You mentioned it, sporttrade.io. They can download the mobile app on iOS. They can test out the, the web app um, in a free type of capacity and kind of see what we're all about. So we're looking forward to that feedback for sure. 
and the other really cool thing I'll, I'll just say real quick is we've kind of plugged in. Uh, you can actually trade against kind of ESPN's uh, model right now. We're looking at plugging in a lot of different models kind of as time goes on. 538 has an interesting model. Uh, we can even plug into Don Best and see how that model would do against our exchange or against the market, the market players in our exchange. So if you go on right now, um, you're going to see these kind of price updates just like you would like a sports book. They're going to, it's going to happen every two to three seconds. And the really, really cool thing is while you're not playing with real money, your bet's going to get processed faster than you could even imagine, uh, which is something that's really, really cool. I am all about everything that is making a space better and potentially getting prices, man. So I wish you all the luck in the world in this uh, endeavor and kind of, you know, giving betters um, of all kinds from professionals to recreationals, another uh, outlet out there and, and hopefully changing the game for uh, the better. So again, man, I wish you all the luck in the world. Again, Alex Kane of Sportrade, the CEO at Sportrade underscore app, Sportrade.io is the website and mobile iOS Sportrade is the app. Awesome. Christian, thanks so much. Finally spring, and I'm saying goodbye snow, hello adventure. And during the Honda Dream Garage Spring Event, you can get epic deals on your favorite Honda model. Ready to get rugged? Then take the off-road in an all-wheel drive Honda SUV, like the CRV, HRV, Pilot, Passport, or redesigned Ridgeline. Want to take a spring road trip? Then check out a fuel-efficient turbocharged Civic or Accord. Say goodbye to winter and hello to a new Honda. Don't miss huge savings during the Honda Dream Garage Spring Event. Now at your local Honda dealer.